This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Judd. Second day of Judd Chilla. Head fuzzy, stomach woozy. Try new Pedia Judd. Get you back on your feet and back in the tiny hut. In three bold flavors. Rust, ashtray, and mint. This is going to be a nice tavern. Hello to all you who behold the beautiful, all you priests who keep it real, staying dutiful, those suffering from foot wounds caused by rot grubs, and those who preheated the ceremonial hot tub. My name is the young Grognard, Grognard the Young. I'm bringing it to you live, spell casting over the airwaves with a great new episode of the podcast, and I have for you more members joining the party, not stealing the XP or the loot, but coming to provide some wonderful opinions. Uh, I'm also joined by some a-hole, uh, Grygra, I guess. <laughs> Growl. <laughs> and I'm also joined by my friend Jared. Jared, you mind giving us a little hello? Tell us a little bit about yourself. What's up? I'm Jared. I prefer to go by Sayoth here. Um... <laughs> No, you're not allowed to just say your real name and then the nickname because now I can't. I'm calling you Jared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rager already did it. We've heard it. <laughs> Been there, done that. Uh, longtime gamer. Uh, just got into D and D with Fifth Edition, uh, pretty recently, like a year ago. And yeah, played a lot of World of Warcraft. That's so you're good. basically like a nerd. Oh, God. Uh, speaking of nerds, we have our second new guest on the show. We have Sarah. I don't. Do you have a, do you have a nickname you want to go no, by? No, I wanna... think Sarah's enough. There's so many in the world that if someone wants to find me, good luck. Is that Sarah with an H? Yes, with, uh. an H, with a H, yeah. The right way. Um, the H is for hostile. <laughs> Appropriate. Um, but yeah, uh, so we, we are bringing some texture to the show. We, we do have indeed a female for all you people out there who, who might not believe that females in gaming exist. Uh, oh wait, the, this is a gaming podcast? Get with the times, bro. Uh, but yeah, do you want to tell us a little bit about your past with gaming and your history with it? Um, well, I met D&D when I went to PAX a couple years ago. Um, I'm a big World of Warcraft player as well. Um, and I met a lot of friends that way and we go to PAX in Boston every year. Um... And I went and I played Pathfinder, really liked that, and then my friend wrote me into a two-year campaign, um, and we played that through to level 19, and then I kind of haven't really played since, but I would like to get back in it, so. But I'm new to 5th edition, so that's all I really know about, and I can talk about, so. That's me. Hello. So, um, the topic for the podcast today is, uh, gout. Uh, and how it affects players and characters alike. Uh, nah, but for real though, uh, we're doing an episode today on druids, our wonderful tree sap loving friends in the forest. Um, you know, I got a lot of history with claiming how much I hate druids, but in preparation for this episode, I kind of realized in the end that I actually really love druids. And in the weirdest way, uh, they sort of remind me of a woodland paladin in its own right, strictly for the sake of how many restrictions there are on them and how they sort of, I don't know, maybe they don't have as hard the restrictions that paladins do, but they're so expected to behave in a way towards nature, much in the same way paladins are expected to behave as well, that I just, I don't know, I guess I'm just learning a newfound respect trying to come up with ways to talk about druids, but yeah, so... um I don't know, does anybody else have any initial feelings about the druid they want to talk about? Personally, druids are my favorite class, but that comes from World of Warcraft, me playing a druid my whole time, uh, when I was raiding and all that, so, and ever since I started playing 5th edition, I've just played druid mostly, so, it's a big fan. Yeah, I, I recall you playing a certain snake-based druid that I tried to kill on multiple occasions, but you just you kept slithering out of my grasp. That's what happens when you have fake health. 
Yeah, that and the giant clam, but I mean, we'll talk about shape-shifting in, in a second, I'm sure. Sarah, do you have any strong opinions about druids? I mean, before today, I knew nothing about druids, aside from what I knew in World of Warcraft. So clearly, you're, you're perfect for the I podcast. I am an expert. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> Listen, I've got six pages of notes, okay? My inner nerd came out, like my school books nerd. Um... I don't know. I started. Would you like to recite the entire thing? People, people in their cars right now listening to a podcast want nothing more than to just listen to you reading. An embodiment of nature's resilience, cunning, and fury. Like... Did you write that? <laughs> yeah, it's written right here. Did you... Did you <laughs> On the top of my notes, it says Druid's Fifth Edition. Because <laughs> I'm whatever. Anyway, um, I don't know. When I first started reading, I thought they were really, really boring, um, and I did not like anything about them at all. <laughs> I kind of felt like and then cut cut yeah, just end it right the there. end they are garbage and <laughs> I will never play one um no but I actually I don't know my curiosity was piqued after reading about them so I'm excited to talk about them more alright uh and homeless guy who's at the table uh, <laughs> did you have, have any opinions on uh so I think druids? um I think druids can sort of definitely fill a niche that most other uh modern classes can't and I think Playing them can be a lot of fun, just trying to explore that niche and sort of bring out what it can and can't do. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I don't have a lot of experience playing with them. I never really dabble too much in the lore of them, but I, I do appreciate that they're there. I think uh, they conjure a powerful mental image for me of just sort of someone who fully understands and can control the powers of nature and sort of bring that forth for themselves and I think much like in the way that a warrior is known for their martial prowess the druid can sort of fill a role where they just represent everything beyond what people who live in cities and grew up in towns and everything could ever understand they sort of have tapped into something deeper than that yeah you know going off of that I think the thing that originally irked me the most about druids is because I've been a dungeon master more than a player in my life in the hobby I find that druids and monks are sometimes the most insufferable classes to have players play simply because they're the most cookie cutter and like the most boring and bland and pre-written character classes in the game you know you mentioned the warriors being sort of the one known for martial prowess but then you think about like characters in literature that are known as warriors and I feel like the ones we would classify as being warriors usually have a very different personality to them. But the problem with druids, and not to bring monks into this, because, I mean, that's not their show, but um, Kung Fu episode coming soon. But I will say that druids, it's usually something along the lines of, I fight for the forest and for the animals, I do what's right by nature, and I don't understand your civil customs and societal standards. What do you mean I have to wear shoes and bathe? I don't understand this. I'm the druid. Look at me and my flavor. And frankly, I just, I guess as a DM, I got really tired of people kind of phoning in their druids by just saying, I'm a druid. You already know what I stand for. And that, I don't know, I guess always just kind of bothered me. It just seemed like a class that was written personality through its flavor. And I feel like that kind of ruins it, which is weird because I also love paladins. And I feel like paladins, again, are pretty much the exact same thing where their flavor is written in through, you know, what they stand for. So I don't know. Um, well, and what I liked about what you just said is that I think that kind of gives newer players a leg to stand on. While it might be a cliche or a trope to sort of play that role, it is a role that they can sort of ease themselves into a bit, where with a warrior, there are so many things they could be. They could be an ex-pirate, an ex-mercenary, a soldier. They could just be some townsman who picked up a pitchfork one day and did what was right. Whereas the druid, it sort of... it gives them something to fall back on when they're not quite sure what to do in a situation and i i don't recommend playing into that too hard all the time like dan was mentioning you don't need to sort of like become the trope but those sort of background built into your class to help your character they can help a newer player or someone who just sort of wants to kind of have a more easygoing role-playing session yeah and i feel that and i think that makes sense uh, Sarah, you said that you were pretty new to the hobby. Um, would you agree that playing something like a druid might be easier for you as a player, starting off being able to cling to those roles? Or do you think that being predisposed to role-playing and class types and class variants like in World of Warcraft, do you think that that's prepared you to be able to have more textured characters? 
Um, well, I guess a lot of the playing that I did in WoW was on a role-playing server. Um, so... <laughs> Nerd! Yeah. Um, that was, who role-plays? But that was more because my friend was really into it, but um, I used to do a lot of it, too. Um, but I... That's actually something I wrote when I was kind of reading about the Druid, was I felt that maybe one thing that might be nice about them for new players is that they are kind of... You know, there is such a roadmap of how to build your character and kind of give it a personality and what it stands for, and I think sometimes it's difficult to kind of build characters who have these really strong principles that you can then use to, you know, frame the rest of your characters, kind of... Sure, the scaffolding like for something um, And I do know that one of my friends, when she her, was her very first character, had never played anything, and we were doing a campaign, and she ran with a druid just because she felt like it was, one, something that she could understand being passionate about as a character, and then two, it just felt like she could really kind of build a story based on what she was given from the handbook and kind of roll with it. Um, and that's fair. There's a lot of research from Wizards of the Coast specifically talking about what characters are played the most by players. And if I'm not mistaken, the two most played characters were Human Rogue and Human Fighter, which, you know, if you read anything on D&D's Twitter page or anything like that, anybody who goes on the internet reads about D&D, it's very non-vanilla out there, and not a lot of people like to play the very quote-unquote vanilla class list, and instead they like to get all variant, but... Yeah, I think people really enjoy just playing a cliche every once in a while, and I think people can really rest easy in that, and it, it does a lot of the lifting for them, and it really makes role-playing less of like a self-driven you know, a, a, a project and more of a, uh, I don't know, just genuinely you play a role, and that role happens to be Nature Boy or Nature Gal. 2019. Um, but Jared, did you have any thoughts on this? Uh, I think when I first got into D&D, so like a year ago... I first played a druid, and it did help a lot. That it was a lot easier to fall into my role and like my background of loving nature and stuff. So it just made it a lot easier for me because I was not very out of my shell. Mm. Still, still not so much, but it definitely helped a lot. <laughs> <laughs> this, this podcast is literally just going to change into a life course following <laughs> following Jared as he comes out of his shell. Mm. It's going to be a long road, but. I'm ready. All right, cue the music. Um, but, you know, we keep talking about druids as being very one-note, and we talk about them as if we all know what they are, but can we can we try to come up with something of a very loose definition? Because, I mean, I know we're all coming back to the N-word right here, and not that one, don't worry, Apple. Uh, nature. Um, but, yeah. But I think there's so much more than just being the nature character, because when we say the nature character, we also include in that the ranger and so one has to wonder what the difference between a ranger and a druid is, or a shaman. You know, uh, World of Warcraft is a pretty good example of highlighting the differences between the two of them. Earlier editions of D&D also had the shaman, and the shaman sort of came back a little bit in 5th edition with the, uh, the Circle of the Shepherd, I believe it was, the one that you can summon spiritual animals. Yeah. So it's neat that they brought that back. But I like to think that the druid is the one that sort of embodies nature and tries to be one with nature. Whereas a ranger is somebody who tries to harness nature by sort of capturing, cultivating, and controlling it in some aspect. You guys kind of agree on that one? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you were saying, I would say uh, druids definitely sort of tap into nature on a fundamental level. They sort of understand deeply within them what it means to be part of an ecosystem and how every move they do affects the world around them whereas a ranger specifically looks to thrive in that eco ecosystem and will do right. what it takes to become the best thing there and i think it sort of plays into maybe how a barbarian and a fighter both are mostly going to be going out there and hitting things very hard where the fighter sort of is deeply in tune with the dynamics of a battlefield and they understand fundamentally the way they move affects how their opponent's going to move and they are always looking a couple steps ahead to try and get that upper footing or trip someone up whereas the barbarian runs in there rips their shirt off goes into a rage and just doesn't stop raging until everything's dead or they are Mm -hmm. yeah, so I'm, I'm usually cool with us talking about barbarians, but since we're recording at Jared's house, I mean, say, say house, uh, and we don't have barbarian posters, I gotta, I gotta pull a plug on the, bar the barbarian talk. I, will, I, I can't get sweaty without, again. I can't get sweaty without my, uh, without my muses. 
Um, but no, I mean, I think an easy way to, to illustrate what you're saying, and I think you bring up a good point, is that the you know the fighter is sort of one who is in tune with their weapon. They are one with their weapon, whereas a barbarian is the weapon, and anything else is sort of the indirect expression mm-hmm. of their inner rage. But yeah, I don't know. So you two newbies on the show are pretty well, I don't know, versed in World of Warcraft. Would you say that the idea of maybe including a shaman character in D&D would help diversify D&D's class list, and also would it make sense to have that? Or do you think that the druid in D&D kind of covers enough ground for both the shaman and the druid of World of Warcraft to be sort of fine enough as it is? I feel like with the land druid and all the different elements it controls, it does take over a lot of the aspects of a shaman. So you might see more people straying off of that if shaman was released in 5th edition. Uh, But I think it would be a cool new feature because they do have a lot of differences. Uh, Like they're more of like a upfront like elemental user rather than a long range caster usually. Yeah, I particularly like the the circle of the lands and how it blends the castery side of it. Sarah, did you have any thoughts on that one? Um, I feel like enhancement shaman is the only thing that would be was kind of missing. So I think the druid, a lot of the circles kind of hit on aspects of the shaman, but the enhancement is um. I guess for anyone who's not listening, enhancement, I mean, enhancement shamans, they basically, they usually wield, like, hammers, and they enhance their weapon with kind of elemental, you know, buffs and things that make you do, them do extra damage and stuff like that. So, I don't know that there's really a druid circle that does that kind of thing. Shillelagh! Um, where, you know, where they kind of, like, imbue in, like imbue their weapons with, you know, elemental magic and, like, sourcing from the earth and things like that. Um, so in that regard, maybe you could add that, but, I don't know, I don't think it's really very necessary. Um... I think that people could probably make something very very shaman-y out of the druid circle. If they really wanted to do that, they could make it happen. Yeah, that's true. Also, we should definitely get sponsored by the spell shillelagh, putting funk in your trunk. That That's pretty solid. Chalk that one up. Um, okay, but um, so I think, I mean, I think that's all fair enough for describing who we're talking about here when we're talking about the druid, but... Um, maybe we'll go into the next step of things and talk about that dirty word, that A-word alignment, and talk about druids with their alignments. And talk about how in earlier editions of the game, like Advanced and Second Edition, I believe, both of them forced druids to be 100% neutral in their alignment. 3.5 or 3.0, 3.5, and I imagine Pathfinder all required druids to have at least one element of their alignment access to be neutral. And then in 5th edition, because anything goes, you can pretty much be whatever alignment you want. Do you guys feel like that neutrality requirement was sort of, I don't know, useful? And do you think it was kind of enriching for a character? I'll say this, um, and I think this is something we should touch on in a later episode. When I think of kind of the classic archetype for every class, there is a certain alignment or a way they fall on the chart. There are a very much so the certain good uh, alignments that yeah. scatter across that then there are the neutrals and the evils and I think the druid for me almost always it just sort of sits smack dab straight in the middle that's uh, true I, and, I guess I never even really thought about that and yeah so when I, I if I'm ever going to cook up a druid character I think I would start there as my base point whereas if I was making something like a paladin, a cleric, or a bard, it would lean more towards good starting point. And then if I want to switch it up, go move out from there. Um, and then, you know, you have your rogues and stuff who are classically either chaotic or in that area. Um, so, yeah, I think most of all, out of any of the uh, classes, except maybe for monk, which you brought up earlier, and I think this kind of does play into why they're so easy to fall into, is they just sort of sit right there in the middle. You have monks and druids as these sort of totally neutral characters as yeah. a base. I mean, the the holy trifecta of neutrality would probably be rogues, druids, and monks, where yes. each one represents one element of neutrality, of getting to do kind of what you see as morally fit, not not really ethically or, or in terms of law versus chaos, but... Yeah, internally, yeah, that's, that's where they keep... Right, they manage to... Yeah, no, that's... 
Yeah, the overall freedoms of a character, I guess I would say, or their ability to live out liberties. But this is where it gets kind of funky and interesting, and I, I love thinking about this because Dark Sun did a good job with it, but I wanted to know if you guys have ever thought of or, I don't know, entertained the idea of playing an evil druid. Because I think, I don't know, maybe maybe I've always just thought of them riding in the middle road like you illustrated, but personally, I just, I don't know, I love the idea of evil druids because it seems to go so against what's always been kind of portrayed to us as either they're good or they're neutral some respect but i think the idea of an evil druid is just i don't know i think it's really really textured it's really crunchy and i think it adds a lot to a campaign and i think if you were to have your villain be some sort of arch evil druid with mass plans for destroying the world through nature i don't know person i think that that's wonderful and i don't know that it's been done all that much so, I mean, I don't know. Sarah, does anything come to mind for I you? I mean, for... you say that and I immediately think of, like, the Firelands of World of Warcraft, where there's, like, the Archflame of the Druid or whatever, something like that, and they're, like, evil druids. Yeah. Um, and they're awesome. I don't know. I was talking about in the Firelands with the, um, I can't remember his name, but I can see him in his little Ragnarok? orange. No, 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 no. The, um, uh, the Arch Druid of the Flame or whatever his name is, that guy. Tiberion? Maybe, probably. <laughs> Listen, this is not a World of Warcraft I'm a nerd, podcast. I'm a capital N nerd. Um, but anyway, we already like, had our N word. We're done with that. <laughs> we can't have four um, people in here talking about it. But uh, that's what it makes me think of. It's just like, you know, they were evil druids and they were really cool. Um, and I definitely, when I was reading this, like the Circle of Spores, for instance, when I was reading about that and how they're, I mean, they're all about balance and like, you know, life coming from decay and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like that could be a really neat way to have an evil druid it could be kind of morphed um kind of like poison ivy you know i don't know in my brain we are a DD podcast <laughs> you are coming on I here one time memo. and we're going all batman yep. and world of warcraft and stuff keep the listeners guessing this way you pull in are more we gonna listeners because like, you gonna can have be like, like a, tag it with all the different like fandoms kind of like a cake boss episode too yeah. while we're at it <laughs> Gordon Ramsay specially appears on the show. Is Dog Whisper still on air? Because I'd like to do an episode <laughs> of that. Hey, we don't mess with him. But, I mean, okay. So, to try to bring this, the sort of a similar, I imagine a similar uh, concept for an evil druid. Dark Sun, I mentioned a second ago, but Dark Sun had, you know, it's a, a desert world where the gods sort of abandoned the place. Very little amounts of water. All of their metal is pretty, you know, cruddy. And the plants are pretty much all dead. And all the plants that are still alive are either in jungles which are haunted by cannibalistic halflings, or the plants are psionic and will eat you before you can eat them. But there's there's the approach to druids in Dark Sun, which is that they are known as blighters. And they're pretty much like necromancers for plants, where what they do is they gain their power from destroying what is left of natural life in the plant world. And they gain power through destroying them with mass fires and... I just, I feel like there's something really cool about the idea of sort of that transference of spirit, that transference of power through destroying the natural world and harnessing that energy. And I feel like that, again, just makes for a really cool evil druid kind of villain kind of guy kind of thing. I I think if I was ever going to try and spin an evil druid, it would definitely be um, an eco-terrorist kind of thing where they sort of, like civilization has pushed almost too far like Mm -hmm. and at some point something has to give Mm -hmm. and they're now standing on that precipice where they realize that the balance is so completely off towards uh technology and progression of those sort of things and people and just huge populations that they are willing to just do great harm to large civilizations if it means bringing back more of the natural world and I think that can sort of lead itself to some interesting places. Just, uh, I don't know, I've always just enjoyed the idea of... Uh, eco-terrorism. Yeah, eco-terrorism. <laughs> I mean, it, it warms it's a, the heart. It's a passion of mine, you know? <laughs> just stroking your beard while you say that. It's just so yeah. nice and sinister. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Fuck the whales. Um, so anyway... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, Japan has it right. They're up to something. <laughs> Japan, yeah, right. <laughs> Hashtag Japan's got it right. Um, but yeah. Um, so let's see. Um, well, why don't we talk about uh, the circles now? Uh, since our podcast listeners are probably almost familiar with the 5th edition. Sorry all you OSR guys out there. but um, So we're all going to talk about our favorite one of the circles. Uh, I'll start us off and talk about the Circle of the Lands. 
I really love the Circle of the Lands, and I don't think I've ever actually had a player play a Circle of the Lands Druid. Well, Ryan, you don't have to whisper it. You can admit that you were a failure of a Circle of the Lands Druid. You can say it out loud. Say it with pride. They died. <laughs> oh, that's right. We did it for Ben's game. Yeah, yep. that's right. Yeah. I was gonna. Uh, go ben, for it. friend of the podcast, probably gonna be on sometime soon. He's at a drive-in movie right now with his family. God, can you even imagine? <laughs> what a weenie. Anyway, so Circle of the Lands is really neat because I think one of the problems with 5th edition is uh, druids. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But I, I think that the Circle of the Lands is kind of underrepresented in any games I've ever played. And I think that they fit a really cool zone of what it means to be a druid because when we say the term Circle of Blank... Like, there's sort of this unspoken oath amongst all druids, and they all have, like, this one zone they fit into. But the Circle of Lands sort of spoke to me in an idea that, like, geographically speaking, they probably actually have a land that they all are in. Whereas the Circle of the Moon is more of, like, an unspoken lycanthropy wannabe club where they kind of, you know what I mean? And so, like, druids from all over the world are part of that bigger circle. But if you're a druid who is part of the Circle of the Lands and you happen to be, the I don't know, focused in the Underdark or on the coast, like, it seems like you and a few other druids would all be defenders of that land. And I just, I love that vibe. I also really like the idea that depending on which land you pick sort of influences what your character's like. So maybe the coastal one has sort of long, blonde, wavy hair and is sort of a beach bum and has that mentality placed upon being a druid. Whereas... I thought of one time playing a mountain uh, circle of the land uh, uh, druid, one that was from the mountains, rather, and playing it like a dwarf who shapeshifted only into billy goats and could speak with rocks, or so he said. And he just said that rocks were very patient about their answers. And I just, I really like the idea that they sort of embody the landscape that they're from and personify it in a way that... You know, I think most of the time people, when they personify nature as a druid, they pretty much have animalistic attitudes. But I really like the idea of, like, I don't know living out what it means to be the mountains as a person, living out what it means to be the underdark as a person. Like, even when I'm saying this out loud, everybody's probably imagining a character in their head and how they behave, you know? So, I don't know. That That's my personal spin on it. Um, Ryan, what's your favorite circle? Uh, so, I've always been attached to the circle of the shepherd. I think the idea behind it is pretty cool, and I kind of like what they're bringing to the table as a summoner class in 5th edition as you don't really get a lot of options with that and um, even fewer that sort of are as fluff friendly as the um, Circle of Shepherd. So um, one of the characters I played actually was a Circle of the Shepherd Druid and he was an ancient kind of uh, Loxodon who was in charge of guiding the spirits of his people to their ancestral graveyards. Um, and so he sort of was this, essentially a shepherd for the souls of his people to this elephant graveyard. And he would channel that kind of power. He was slow, he was meticulous, he just sort of always was watching over his flock, living and dead, and sort of represented everything that that could be. And so I think the Circle of the Shepherd is cool in the fact that they have these protective spirits around them at all times that they can channel forth that sort of represent different parts of nature and sort of bring just life where there was none. See, I almost feel like that's one of the farthest away from the traditional druid. I feel like those, if any circle, would be the shaman. Just right. because it doesn't feel like they're too in tune with the world as is, but almost in tune with the world that is beyond. And it seems like their connection is like on a supernatural or spiritual level, whereas druids are more in tune with the world that is and rendering strength from that which exists around them. But shaman like pull from further, you know what I mean? The ether right. that surrounds them. Yeah, I think out of all the circles, the shepherd and maybe the spores would be among the more rare, just yeah. in the idea that a lot of other druids find their callings in more grounded, real, actual nature. So I sure. think they sort of will always have this kind of ethereal presence to them. Yeah. Um, and so let's talk about the most popular one of all, and that would be the Circle of the Moon. Sarah, is that your favorite? I mean, favorite's a very strong word. Okay. Um, I thought it was the most classically druidy of all of the circles. 
um, just because my experience, like, with the feral class in World of Warcraft, where you just turn into a cat and then you run around and just, like, main people all the time. Um, you're basically like a, a rogue cat. Um, so when I was reading through all of these, Circle of the Moon, definitely, the second I read it, I was like, ah, so I know that one. That one is quite easy and makes sense. Um, the only thing that I kind of didn't like about the Circle of the Moon was I kind of felt like it would be really hard if you're playing that character to have them have hooks that really... I don't know, I feel like if, from what I was reading, they're very solitary, they're kind of very, you know, in tune with just the animal aspect. They turn into animals and they kind of just encompass that and, like, just feed into it. And I felt like, you know, having someone then be a part of a party who's completely solitary and, like, doesn't, you know, having them kind of be engaged might be difficult. Um, but I definitely thought it would be kind of neat to actually, you know, spend most of your time in, you know, transformed form and then kind of going through combat as an animal. Um, but, you know... They're kind of, you know, stereotypical druids. I didn't think there was much of super substance there, but it just seemed like if I was if I was making my first character and I was like, I'm going to go with a druid, and then I'd be like, mm, the Circle of the Moon, that one seems pretty, like, cool. I can cut some stuff. I can sneak a little bit. I can transform into cool animals. I'm good to go. Yeah, it almost reminds me of sort of like a 90s kids TV show with like a shape-shifting character. Thundercats. Yeah, or or but that's not the the Wonder Twins there, whatever. You know what I mean? The idea that you can shape shift into a creature that fits the job at hand. So you could be the songbird, or you could be the elephant. You can take on the, all these different forms. I feel like it's really like in in our culture, it's in our zeitgeist of of storytelling with fantasy stuff to have the shape shifting character. So I, I agree with you on that. Um, Three point five had a class variant for druid where you could forego having an animal companion and instead be able to shapeshift into specific forms at will, and it wasn't a daily power or, like, a required number. Uh, another friend of the podcast, Joelle, played a dwarf druid, and one of her main forms there was a, a, a giant boar, and so that sort of was... I don't know, I thought it was a neat way of doing it, so she didn't get to cast too many spells, and she wasn't all about that nature. Instead, she just embodied the feral attitude of being one with the animals and the primal realm, but... Speaking of primal animals, uh, Jared, what do you what do you got? What's your favorite circle? Uh, my favorite circle is actually Circle of Dreams, and I just like how they are more like free spirited and kind of like the the hippie of the druids. If you could be more hippie than a druid, yeah, they connect to the Feywild <laughs> in a way that's really cool too. Yeah, so and they're more like. A, in a daze where they're just... I was going to say, don't say dream. You can't yes. use dream to describe the dream druid. They're just yet. so dreamy. <laughs> okay. If Zach Efron was a druid. But with my experience, unlike Sarah, <laughs> I was not a, a feral druid in WoW. I was a restoration druid, so I was a healer. Mm. And I've always loved playing the healer. And the first time I ever played... 5th edition I wanted to play the healer but the group already had one so I went circle of the moon instead hashtag children <laughs> and uh I've ever since then I've just wanted to queue up uh circle of the dreams for their healing and just all they can provide for the group did you say queue up yeah as in like video game terminology uh, queue up I mean I, I, I boy, this totally... loading screen is very long if you're queuing up for a game with that <laughs> I made... IRL lol bro <laughs> Cue I make up. my characters online, so yeah, I queue it up. Oh, fuck, that's true. <laughs> They're just sitting there waiting. <laughs> Hashtag d and I have them ready, waiting to be launched. Oh, yeah, they're locked in for their role, and they're just waiting for the... You know, right. No, I'm just uh, waiting, for the, waiting for the right game to put them in. <laughs> well, okay. Um, yeah, so there's that then. Um, but yeah, I think we've done a pretty good job of talking about pretty much all things Druid. Did we have anything else you wanted to talk about? Did you want to talk about spells real quick? Some ones that stick out? Since they are known for being a spellcaster class, is there anything that really sticks out to you? Um, I find that there's some Druid spells that I just really, really enjoy the flavor of. I like that they get Druid craft instead of Prestidigitation. Yeah, yeah, which was a nice add-in for 5th edition that they did that with all the caster classes, they had their own flavor. Whereas in other editions, Prestidigitation was the only spell that did that, and mm -hmm. it was just for wizards and sorcerers. So, I agree. I think that's pretty neat. I think, um, and I know these are all kind of lower-level spells, but I think that sort of is what defines a class yeah, early on and sort of sets the tone for them going forward is you have things like Goodberry or Shillelagh, Thornwhip, 
uh, poison spray, those kind of things that right. all sort of feed into this um, sort of narrative of this person who can all of a sudden just produce these miraculous little fruits or turn what seemed to be a basic wooden club into something that could actually really just give a good someone a thump. Uh, it puts some funk in the trunk. Yeah. It, Hashtag it, Shiley. It puts the funk in the trunk. I, you know, and that's what's neat about druids is that they sort of fit their own kind of category in the spellcasting wheel, where they, in older editions specifically, did a lot more utility magic and were never really known to be offensive magicians other than, you know, early level spells, you know, shillelagh. Uh, they did a lot more things like controlling the weather and being able to predict the weather, talking to animals, controlling animals. They just... It wasn't a class that did damage. It wasn't a class that focused on that. And instead, it was just sort of like, I don't know, somebody who's so in tune with nature that they can manipulate it. Whereas, you know, you look at something like the cleric, and it seems like there's so much more for people and helping people and doing things in that sort of sense. And wizards are kind of the catch-all for pretty much anything. But I, I kind of like that that's how the magic spells work out for them. Jared, did you have anything you want to talk about for spells? Being a person uh, I know who's played a lot of druids. For spells, I, I personally love on my druids when I pick up a thorn whip. It just it feels right that your character is reaching into the ground, grabbing out a root, and just wrapping it around a creature and yanking them towards you. Yeah, you and I having played a pretty substantial campaign together, and you being a druid in that one, I did love when I would help describe your character's actions, having your druid legitimately just punch the and, earth. And, and that is where I got it root. from. Yeah, and, I, and honestly, I think that those little bits of flavor really make a character kind of, I don't know, grow. It, you know, Because if you look at the rules without, I don't know, any of the flavor text... A lot of spells are very similar across classes, but when you get to add in that extra bit of flavor that, you know, your brutal druidic character punches into the dirt and pulls out the root as if the root is there to help them. I don't know. It, it just, it brings the class to life. But, yeah. Any last thoughts? And then, um, there's always the classic conjure animals, conjure fae, those mm, kind of mm. things that sort of all Definitely. of a sudden where there was no life on the battlefield, suddenly it springs forth. And... You know, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but this is one of these OG D&D arguments that I think deserves to be brought up at least for a moment on the podcast. I don't want you to interrupt, so just hush it. <laughs> you did not bring the barbarian posters? I'm interrupting. I'm, I'm allowed this. My GURPS have gone on Nardied, and I'm, I'm here to Nardy hard. Um, yeah, if druids care so much about animals, why the heck are they conjuring them just so they can get killed in combat? Why are they just flank fodder? They don't know those guys. They don't don't like that. You know? They're not summoning close friends. Well, I didn't really know him. He was just an eagle I met that one time at that party. But like, no, no, no. Like a druid summons an eagle from the ether and the eagle just comes forth and is like, what do you need of me? And just gets eaten by a monster. And the druid's like, you know, this all just factors into the great spinning wheel, man. That's what it's like he's to be neutral. From I do they're... good shit by destroying that which I love. Yeah, and he's that's from neutrality. an area that is overpopulated <laughs> in eagles, okay? See, yeah, neutrality's not riding the middle line. It's just doing enough really good and enough really awful that it just equals out in the end. You saved the orphanage, but you still murdered the teacher. Hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe save the teacher and murder supply. the children. I don't know. I mean, fine. lives are worth anything. Um, okay, but I think it's time we go on to the game show of the episode. But before we get there, I'm going to have to drop a plug from one of our local sponsors. Hi, do you find that healing potions just do not heal enough? I come to you now with a brand new synthetic formula for healing potions called Heals A Lot. Made of a pure organic formula, we present to you D6s instead of D4s for your healing. Do you find that your healing magic just doesn't do enough? Is your lazy cleric praying all day? No need to fear, Heals A Lot is here. Warnings. Heals A Lot may cause hair loss, total growth, body odor, height fluctuations, itchy eyes, armor class reduction, XP deduction, corn off the cob, office supplies stuck in jello, jello stuck in office supplies, lack of fries, bad disguise, foot fetish, repetitive statements, repetitive statements, repetitive statements, dramatic pause, tiger claws, hidden claws, round of applause, <laughs> gasp in terror, <gasps> clerical error, anti-magic field, low crop yield, sudden backup singing, backup singing, Ears are ringing, jokes that go on too far, being far too loud at the local bar. Last but not least, shirts will appear wrinkled with a supreme lack of crease. Drink heals a lot, now with diet, wild magic formula. 
Another big thank you to our local sponsor. Okay, so the game show for today is called Chain Lightning. Uh, so this is going to be a rapid fire trivia and activity game show, which it's I know. It's a druid spell, I get it. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even notice that. This is supposed I to be a reoccurring one. It. it better be a reoccurring <laughs> one. But anyway, uh, yeah, I totally meant for that to happen. So anyway, what I want to have established is that it's going to be a full-on competitive. Anybody can answer the question. But to do your buzzer, um, yeah, I need everybody to uh, say their own name as the buzzer. So let's go around the table, say our names real quick. Sayoth. Rygra. Sarah. Okay, now that everybody's name sounds exactly the same, I think we're ready to go. So I'm going to keep track of points. I want to keep this going fast. I want you guys to be ready. It's going to be fast. It's going to be loose. It's going to be like that. Um, but yeah, so what we're going to do is I'm just going to ask a nice question. I'm going to have everybody answer it. Be prepared for something very strange. Be prepared to do some acting. Oh yeah, no, we're getting full on in this. Yeah, you better be ready. <laughs> Hats are on backwards. Pokeballs are coming now. Alright, so in the first round of Chain Lightning, I'm going to need people to buzz in. Name four types of undead for me. Rygra. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Wraith, Zombie, Skeleton, and Lich. Okay, next. Question. True or false? Of the advanced D&D classes, fighters require the least XP to level up. Sayoth. Go. True. <laughs> next. <laughs> Sayoth. False. <laughs> jumping in there. Come on, guys. Alright, next question. Spell the word Dungeon Master backwards. <laughs> Rygra. Okay, go. R-E-T-S-A-M space? <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll give it to you. We were looking for dash. <laughs> N-O-E and Took too long, took too long. Next! That was some good spelling. <laughs> you said Dungeon Master? Yeah, I did. Sarah, okay, R-E-T-S-A-M go. R-E-T-S-A-M space N-O-E-G-N-U-D. Ding, 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 ding. That's a point. All right, next question. Is Briark a good or bad thing to hear in the dungeon? Sarah, bad. <laughs> That's a point. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I believe it translates roughly to, hey, look, some rubes in Goblin. Um, how do you pronounce the name of the cavernous gnomes of the Underdark? Rygra. Snurf Neblin. No, uh, eh, that's wrong. It's not that, so don't do that to me. Oh, no. Oh, I want to answer, but I think it's so wrong that it means... Go ahead, Sarah. Nope, nope. That's, that's better have. than what I have. <laughs> no, nope. I'm going to pass the point. Okay. It's going to go to nobody. <laughs> you're just coasting because you know you're in the lead. I know. I'm in the safe. I'm in the safe zone. We all have you don't. You don't lose points if you get it wrong. This isn't the SATs. I know, but I lose space <laughs> with my listeners. All right? This actually is a subset of the SATs. <gasps> oh, yeah. Don't don't just guess wildly. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the answer was Sverfneblin. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, next question. What does a goblin having trouble calling their server to the table at a restaurant sound like? You heard the damn question. What does a goblin who has trouble calling their server over to their table at a restaurant sound like? Sarah. Go. (laughs) Okay, so I feel really uncomfortable giving the point to that, but I'm going to give the point to that, and I'm going to give a big apology to all you uh, nardies out there in the cosmos who just had to hear that. Uh, Next question. If Keanu Reeves were a fantasy character, what would his race be? Rygra. Go. Don't say white. Don't say white. <laughs> no. Say white. Damn it. Uh, he would be a he would be a half elf. No, no doubt. I'll give it to you. I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Next question. Name five melee weapons. Rygra. Damn. Flail, maul, short sword, long sword, broadsword. Damn. Even one for OG with the broadsword. Okay. Your bard just wrote a new album. What's it called? Don't make me ding the buzzer. Rygra. Okay. <laughs> Fuck it up with my friends. No! No points! That is not fantasy theme. That is lame. The last part I made was inspired by Kenny Loggins. So... <laughs> We're not going there. Did you have a name for an album? Mm-hmm. Not even Enter the Dungeon Zone? I feel like that would have been funny. I was gonna... Yeah, I'm like right into the... Say off. 
<laughs> the no, drums okay. of war. Okay, I'll give you the point for tactical uh, whispering. Uh, next question. Yes. How many tentacles does a mind flayer have? Sayoth? Go. Six? Mm, I believe it's four. I don't know the answer. <laughs> I'm, I, you know what? Shot in the dark. As you came out very confidently with that six. I'm going to say there uh, no points. Um, next. Um, what repeating shape makes right, up right. the D- Do you not know the answers to these questions? I mean, I was, hoping, I was hoping somebody did. And also, don't buzz yourself in. I have to acknowledge you. I have very little power at this table. So, uh, anyway, what repeating shape makes up a D12? Right, right. Dodecagon. Dodecahedron? What shape repeats on each face? Oh my god. Sarah, Sarah go. Pentagon? <laughs> yeah, it's a pentagon. I thought it was pentagon, then I like moved and I was like, oh god, don't get this one wrong. <laughs> okay, uh, someone just said you look like a catabolipus. How do you feel about that? Sayoth? Yep. Pretty damn good. Yikes, no. Catabolipus, <laughs> no. That's just, that's hey, wrong again. Catabolipus kill people with how ugly they are. Yeah, that's fine. All right, I'll give you the point for it. You, you got, you got that, you got that charisma. <laughs> okay. Roger, it's pronounced charisma. <laughs> Chorismo. Thank you. Chorismo, the spiciest of ability scores. <laughs> okay, so a grick, a grill, and a grimlock walk into a bar. Now, why the heck did they walk into that bar? Who the grill knows? <laughs> Roger, who the grill knows? <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna give Rygra the point on that, Sarah. If you if you disgust me one more time with that inappropriate answer. All right, next question: Who is the best dungeon master of all time? I, I refuse to blank out this one. Okay, you got. I'm not. I'm not feeding it to the buzzer. You got to give me the answer that I know you know is there. <clears throat> it rhymes with uh, uh, Bung Nognard. He's trying to find other ways to rhyme that that aren't the young Ragnar. All things dungeonous. <laughs> so, somebody give it to him. God, Come he, on. He's, he's never been my DM, so... Sayoth? Yeah? Matt Mercer? Fuck, how did he know? <laughs> Damn it! Is that, Darn is you that Mercer. how you rhyme? Damn you and your luscious locks. Alright, last question. And it's going to be worth a solid three points, but I expect some effort on this one. How do you say, excuse me, my good man, it would seem your rusty cleaver has trimmed my flesh in a fashion that leaves me quite perturbed. Please remove this implement in Orcish. Rygra. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> You know, I regret every element of that question. And <laughs> so, uh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I must have forgot about the secondary clause that was included on that one. <laughs> but, yeah, um, okay, I'll give you a point for clearing your throat into the mic. Uh, and for all the ASMR people out there, uh, what are you doing? Just, Just stop pretending like that's a thing. It's not a thing. You just like weird stuff, okay? Get over it. But anyway, uh, so let's count up our winner here. So first on the list of points, uh, we got Mr. Sayoff with... Ooh. You know, yes. those, those blank numbers. Victory! Those blank... <laughs> yeah, kind of. Uh, you got a solid... Uh, if I could count. Four points? Whew, better than I thought. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> All right, and next on the list is Sarah with a total of four points as well, and not counting all the blinks, which there were uh, two. Uh, Rybra comes in with one, two, three, four, and five points for clearing his throat. So the winner of tonight's game of Chain Lightning is Mr. Rybra. Unless, unless somebody wants to seize that victory with a better pronunciation of "Excuse me, my," I'm not gonna read the whole thing. Somebody else want to do it instead? No? I scarred listeners last time I tried an impersonation. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can't scar on scars. They I mean, with the Mark Your Mark boys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we gotta hit it with them Boston listeners. 
<laughs> so, would you like to translate this message into Orcish or perhaps Markish? Excuse me, my good man. It would seem your rusty cleaver has trimmed my flesh in a fashion that leaves me quite perturbed. Please remove this implement. Come on, Sayoth. Win Oof. the victory. Come on, get your first golden nard. That, that was too many words in a row right there for me to remember. All right, you did very good right there impersonating Mark Wahlberg with your inability to recall sentences, but I want to know if you can read it. Is that a pass? Are you that, really going to let this man have every Nardi we've gotten so far? Don't make that face. Dear people of the podcast, he made a face. I, um, I don't even have anywhere to hold them. I have no posters up. <laughs> Damn, he knows about the Nardis on the poster. Well, okay, in that case, our reigning champion of... It doesn't feel good. You know, Sarah, would you like to try to win it back? <laughs> there was a... Okay, I'll Somebody tell you what. take do, this from me. We'll do, we'll do a redemption round. Uh, oh. We'll do real chain lightning here. You just here. really don't want to Okay, win. here's how we do it. Here's how we do it. Um, how do you pronounce the name of the cavernous gnomes of the Underdark? Regress. Smurf <laughs> Oh, stole it again. For fuck's sake. I'm so glad I put that explicit title on this podcast, because fuck you, Regress. They're not Smurf Neblet. Smurf Neblet. God damn it. Ha-ha. Oh, no. That which is joke has become canon. Yeah, you know what? Okay, I'm trying to drag this game on so that you two can get it, but you know what? I just, I got nothing left. Uh, well, that's it for the podcast, everybody. Um, I'm leaving on a sad and somber note. Uh, this is probably the last episode. Of the, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, well, anyway, I'd like to give a big thank you to everybody out there listening. Uh, I'm going to have to say uh, DMs, appreciate your players, and players, appreciate all your DM does. Have a wonderful Dungeons & Dragons flavored night. Oh, Dungeons & Dragons! And, Riker, would you have anything you want to say? Uh, if you say Sabrina the Teenage Witch, I am going to fucking It's on it. Netflix, if anyone's wondering. <laughs> oh, season two's now on there. <laughs> yes, it is. And darker than that first. I, I, I have nothing left to say. I am so done with this podcast. Uh, uh, young Grognard, I, I quit the podcast. <laughs> Alright, I mean, Jared, do you have anything you want to say? <laughs> nope, that is it for me. <laughs> Say off, plug the Sabrina on Netflix. We're good. Tell me, Sarah, do you have anything you'd like to say before we go? I think I have said enough. <laughs> well, on uh, that note... And that's a period. I, I would actually like to plug uh, NADPOD as well as um, Dimension 20 on Dropout. Uh, the what? Yep. You wanted a real plug. There it is, buddy. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, another plug out there. I'd like to give another shout out to the uh, old man Grognard over on uh, Radio Grognard. That guy plugged my show the other day, and I uh, really appreciate it. You should check out his podcast if you like OSR and anything straight nerdy, not this hooligan fest that is Chain Lightning. Um, but anyway, have a good night, everybody. Goodbye. And I really gotta say, that second season is darker. <laughs> Music for the podcast was provided by Kevin McLeod uh, with both the song Realizer and Porch Swing Day.